Third hour of the Scott Hamilton on Tuesday. Clemson Tigers preparing Louisiana Tech. 33 and a half point favorites. It's 8 o'clock kickoff. Actually, it's 34 points now. It's on the ACC network Saturday. Eight hours prior to that. Georgia playing South Carolina at Williams-Rice Stadium. Bulldogs, number one in the country, 24.5-point favorites against the Gamecocks. Being number one, that's a big deal for a lot of places. Defending national champs, not so much. It's the old not-where-you-start-where-you-finish mindset, and I get it. I dig it. At least that's what Kirby Smart seems to be adhering to. Here was Kirby's reaction yesterday when he was asked about being number one. What does it say about your program when you've gotten to that point and it's not that big of a deal to be the number one team in the country? It's never a big deal. It only matters at the end of the year. I don't know that we've spent many weeks outside the top ten. It never mattered whether we were inside the top ten or outside the top ten. It just is irrelevant. I mean, it's a lot more a lot more worried about how we execute a combo block than I am worried about what we're ranked in Hopefully the kids are the same way. That's Kirby. I can't say he's wrong. Be more interested in actually doing what you need to do to win than where you are in the rankings going into week three. It makes sense. Just a Kirby presser, man, is just it's so matter of fact. It it's so much Saban, except it still doesn't have that. I don't know that gravitas and that whatever you're in the midst of Saban. You know, you feel like you're getting some kind of wisdom from the mountaintop when Kirby says it. It's just so matter of fact. Here's an interesting note going into this game. In Stetson Bennett, seems like he's been there 8,000 years at the University of Georgia. This will be his first ever start against Gamecocks. He has thrown 534 career passes. Only three have come against the Gamecocks. And remember, he was the starter last year briefly. He was the starter against UAB leading up to the South Carolina game. Uh, JT Daniels was resting from an injury. I think he, he had hurt his buttocks, sir. Something like that. And then a week later, when they played South Carolina, uh, JT Daniels resumed the QB1 position, Stetson Bennett watched from the sideline, and he got into the game, but it was cut short. He threw an interception during his only possession as the quarterback of the Georgia Bulldogs. They went back to Daniels for the rest of the game, and that's it. That's it. He's thrown three passes. One of them was picked. That's his history with South Carolina. Now, there's... No doubt, barring something catastrophic happening between now and Saturday, that he will be atop the depth chart. He'll be the quarterback. And I have to think this. It's a very different Stetson Bennett than what we saw for that flash last year, that little three-pass sample size. 
He's six and one against SEC opponents as a starter. Obviously, none of those games against South Carolina. The only loss, Florida, 2020. He was removed halfway through because of an injury. In those seven games against SEC opponents as a starter, 1,326 yards, 11 total touchdowns, and he's completing passes at 59%. Pretty darn good. Pretty good body of work. But even that isn't a fair a fair number to look at because there's something unquantifiable about him right now. He is the quarterback of the defending national champions. He was the starting quarterback in the national championship game. He was the starting quarterback when it mattered most in the semifinal, in the SEC championship, even though they lost that game. This is a different Stetson Bennett than South Carolina has ever seen. Indeed, he's a different Stetson Bennett than the people who put these odds together expected. Remember, the the odds of him winning the Heisman Trophy just a couple of weeks ago, exponentially higher than they are now. It was around that plus 6,000 range. Now it's plus 1,400. He's still not the favorite. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud at plus 300. Caleb Williams plus 600. But to be fourth, To be in that conversation says a lot about the guy because it seems like for the entirety of his time at Georgia up until he hoisted the championship trophy, and yeah, even beyond that, we have criticized him or he has been criticized. He's gotten criticism here and there. How did he get to this point now where he's fourth in the Heisman odds? We're going to ask our guest. He covers University of Georgia for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Chip Towers, welcome aboard. How are you? Hey, fine. How are you today? I'm 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 wonderful. I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy, very busy man during football season. And Chip, hopefully you heard me discuss it. I Stetson Bennett out of nowhere now. The fourth, he's fourth in Heisman odds. How the heck did we get to this point? <laughs> well, you know, it, like everything else in the Stetson Bennett story, you know, it it's because of what's happened on the field, uh, you know, nothing else. Uh, you know, he's been doubted at every turn, even right here, you know, in Athens, Georgia. Um, probably the greatest amount of doubt. Oh, we've lost Chip. We'll effort him back. Everybody's doubted him. Everybody. His story is incredible. He walks on at Georgia. He's not going anywhere, obviously, up with regards to moving up the depth chart, goes to a community college, Jones Community College, grinds it out there, returns to Georgia, and even at one point he is told, you might want to transfer. It's not going to work out for you. He declines. He sticks it out. And we got the whole deal with JT Daniels last year. JT Daniels is the chosen one and the the kid from Southern Cal. And uh, Stetson Bennett, you're just going to be a QB two. And he takes advantage of his opportunities, though. To the point now that JT Daniels is the guy playing quarterback somewhere else. It was funny. The night of the backyard brawl, the two starting quarterbacks were both from Southern Cal. And the offensive coordinator at West Virginia was a former offensive coordinator at Southern Cal, Graham Harrell. And meanwhile, Stinson Bennett just going about his business. Lord love his heart. 
Let's go back to the phones. I think we're reconnected with Chip. Chip, are you there? Yeah. Sorry, Sorry about, about that. that. Hey, man. No, we, we were just, I was just telling the story while we were reconnecting about Stetson Bennett, how he walks on it, Georgia. He realizes he's not going anywhere as far as the depth chart. He, he goes to a community college. He grinds it out there. He returns. He's told he's still probably not going to be the starter. He refuses to leave, and he ends up being a national championship winning quarterback. Yeah, and and like I was saying before we got cut off is, you know, that's kind of how it's been with him. Uh, his play, <coughs> excuse me, on the field has uh, dictated his story. And, and it's certainly, you know, he's been doubted at every turn and probably not doubted any greater than he has been right here in, in Athens, Georgia, uh, you know, because people can't seem to get by uh, past his, height and the fact that, uh, you know, he was a, a walk-on. But the reality is, as we're learning, uh, is he's a pretty good quarterback. He makes really good decisions. And, you know, even Todd Monk and Georgia's offensive coordinator admitted that, you know, he didn't realize what they had in Stetson Bennett until they kind of had to go with him. I mean, he started last season as the third-team quarterback, but once JT Daniels went down, uh, you know, he just beat out Carson Beck in a week of practice and they realized that, you know what, he's really good at this RPO stuff, but you've seen a bit of a shift in Georgia's offensive philosophy. Uh, it's been dramatic this year so far, a little bit of a drift away from RBU as they've come to be known in a, in a play action shot team to a little bit more of the true RPO. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a four, five, four, six guy. He's pretty quick. Uh, he's got a better than average arm, and you know he comes into this game against South Carolina completing seventy five percent of his passes, um, and, well, you know, and 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 throwing at three hundred over three hundred a game, uh, in in just a two game sample size. But uh, you know they they've realized there, there's a lot of things they can do with him that they were unable to do with a JT Daniels or a Carson Beck. You know, your job is to be a purveyor of Georgia athletics. You watch the game. You watch the practices. You're around the team. And I presume you've done it for a pretty long time. So I, I want to get your take on this. Given everything you've seen, given your ability to evaluate talent and tell who's going to make it, who's not going to make it, how much did you discount the, the various versions of Stetson Bennett until we got to this current edition? Well, you know, I, I don't want to be an I told you so guy, but I've, I've kind of – sort of believed in Stetson a good bit. Now, you got to understand, I, I first heard about Stetson when he came to Georgia as a walk-on uh, out of Blackshear, and uh, there was just a, a guy I've known in South Georgia who said, I'm telling you, this guy ain't your everyday walk-on. He's special. And he just said, keep an eye on him. So it's a guy I trust and, you know, big in recruiting in South Georgia. And so, you know, I kind of did. And that first year, uh, the first person to utter Stetson Bennett's name to me was Mel Tucker, the former defensive coordinator, who's now head coach at, at Michigan State. And I asked him, as Georgia prepared for the Rose Bowl in 2017, how Georgia was looking in their preparations for Baker Mayfield and that Oklahoma offense. And he said, well, not really good. Not very good, to be honest with you. And he says, we got a quarterback here, Stetson Bennett, uh, and he looks just like Baker Mayfield, and he's given us fits in practice. And, you know, the, and so I started asking about Stetson Bennett during the Rose Bowl preparation. The defensive players were saying the same thing. He wore 22 at the time for Georgia. And they, they were just like, yeah, we just, we're having a hard time getting 22 down. Uh, so that, that my point on that is, 
I, I think Stetson Bennett's always had a little Baker Mayfield in him. He just needed that kind of offense. And slowly but surely, Georgia has tweaked their system to where now he's running a Stetson Bennett system. And that's why you see the Heisman odds going down. That's why you see the completion percentages go up. That's why you see Georgia's offensive production go up is because they're they, now they've quit doubted him. Now they've started to believe him. They're starting to tool their offense for him. And, you, you know, you have what you have, a, a, a national championship. Now I didn't see that coming because of Stetson Bennett or anything like that. I'd be lying. But, you know, the fact that he's done it, there's a strong belief in Stetson Bennett now within that football building and particularly within that locker room. I can't believe you just told that anecdote comparing him to Baker Mayfield because as you were telling the Stetson Bennett story earlier, I wrote down compares to Baker Mayfield, and I was going to follow up with that. That is absolutely incredible that, that Mel Tucker would say something like that, and then indeed he's he's lived up to it. And correct me if I'm wrong, Chip, that was a pretty wild semifinal, if I'm not mistaken, pretty high-scoring game. Oh, it was, you know, it, it, Mel Tucker was right. They, they really didn't stop Oklahoma and Baker Mayfield. Georgia won the game 52 to 48 in double overtime. Uh, you know, uh, it, you know, so their offense just outscored Oklahoma's offense. Uh, remember right. Nick Chubb and, and Sony Michelle ran for a thousand yards, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, if you look, I mean, look at the end of the Alabama game and Bryce young and, and Stetson Bennett embrace, he's the same size as Bryce young. It just, you know, these narratives get perpetuated and, and people just decide, you know, that, that, you know, one guy's this way and one guy's the other way, and, you know, they go with it, you know. But, you know, nobody has said that Bryce Young was too small to run Alabama's offense or too small to win the Heisman Trophy, yet that's what he did. Um, and, I, you know, and I think that's the same thing Georgia has in Stetson Bennett. If Georgia wins the national championship again this year, it will be because of Stetson Bennett. Now, the narrative last year was they won it despite Stetson Bennett, despite him running the offense because they had that generational de- defense. This is a pretty good defense here again, but right now Georgia's winning with offense, and and, that, and if they're going to win this season overall because of all Georgia lost on the defensive side of the ball, it's going to be because of what Georgia's been able to do with their offense under Stetson Bennett. We're joined by Chip Towers, Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Follow him on Twitter, at ctowersajc. That perfectly brings me to my next question. I'm, I'm wondering this. I, I'm wondering about Kirby's comfort level to, to not only hand the ball off to a quarterback, so to speak, and say, you're the guy, I need you to drive this, but to also do it that's something different than probably he would prefer to get away, as you said, from that RBU moniker and be more of a true uh, RPO team. How how does that working out? Well, it's it's working out well right now, and you know, right, you know, I mean, the world's upside down if you look at it. I mean, uh, Georgia is in the bottom of the SEC in rushing, and they're leading the SEC in passing. That's through two games. We got a long way to go, but we'll see. But I think Kirby Smart is having the same experience that that Nick Saban had at Alabama. It's like when he when he it's when you relinquish control of the offense that things started to take off. Um, and look, if Georgia has a bugaboo, a blemish um, under Kirby smart to date, it is that they recruit through the roof. Obviously they're glad that the average recruiting class 
uh, in the last five or six years, I forget what it is, is 2.3 for Georgia with a couple of number one classes. So you're not missing on much. But the one area they've been a little bit deficient in has been, you know, five-star top wide receivers. And Kirby's tired of losing those battles. So that's definitely, you know, the uh, the 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 narrative, again, for lack of a better word, that they're putting out there on the recruiting trail. I mean, he said he's verbalized it. He verbalized it uh, after the Oregon game. He said, I would think this is an offense that a lot of playmakers would want to come play for, uh, would want to come play in. And that's, you know, he's, he's speaking to um, – you know, wide receivers out in the country trying to get them to come here. Now, it's not like they haven't had anybody. You know, George Pickens was a five-star receiver. Jermaine Burton was a five-star receiver, but he transferred to Alabama for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, generally their recruiting hasn't been as strong in that regard. So he's uh, – George is definitely making a concerted effort to improve in that regard. Now, that said, George is always going to be a, uh, a team that prides itself on being able – to run the football, I wouldn't say they look they've looked great in that regard so far. I mean, right now they're uh, you know starting tailback Kenny McIntosh is the team's leading receiver, and that's by design. They're throwing the ball to uh, to him on purpose and getting him in one on one matchups, and that's working out well. Uh, but they're not nearly the pound and ground team that we've seen, you know, certainly in the previous six years under Kirby Smart. Chip, just a couple more minutes, please. And I want to point out again that I had literally written down compared to Saban evolution. So I've got to scratch that one off. You're just conducting your own interview here. I, I'm not having to work <laughs> too hard on you. But but I, I, I do wonder this, though. We take away the part where he's evolved offensively like Saban did, and he's realized that he has to adjust to uh, evolve with the rest of the game. What else has changed about Kirby during his tenure as the Georgia head coach? What's the thing that you notice most that you could say to yourself, you know what, when he first became the head coach, I never would have imagined this? Well, uh, you know, I, I'd say he's a little less guarded, though not a lot. I mean, you know, Kirby's a guy, uh, you know, you mentioned this before. You said, I think you've been around a while, and I have. I've been, you know, every coach that Georgia has had since 1985, I've at least – uh, reported some on the team. I've had different incarnations with the AJC and the Athens Banner Herald before that, but I've been around the program um, for a long time. And all of those coaches I know personally, I have them in my phone. I can call them now. Uh, you know, Kirby's been a lot harder to get close to. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not trying to be his buddy because I'm an objective sports journalist at the end of the day, and he knows that, And it, but he's very guarded uh, you know, about everything, about himself, about the program. Um, and uh, But he has loosened up a little bit from the standpoint of uh, letting people in a little bit into, you know, he's got three kids. Uh, they're great kids. And, and um, you know, he's, uh, you know, can be found at the ballpark now and then, uh, you know, with his youngest son, Andrew, playing ball. And, um you know, slowly but surely, you're getting to see a little bit more of his personality. But really, his wife, Mary Beth, you know, who, uh, who I've known since she was a basketball player for a three-point shooting guard for the Bulldogs, uh, is you know much more kind and gentle and easy to easy to approach and and, and get to know uh, than Kirby is. And and I think it all, all of that is a getting comfortable yourself. And I thought. 
at SEC Media Days, and to some degree all the way through camp and into the season, um, you know, he's a little bit more authoritative, uh, a little uh, more willing to speak, uh, you know, on things like, uh, you know, conference realignment, expansion, college football players, because he is, uh, you know, the at, for the moment at least, the top coach in college football, so that's expected of him. You know, here's what we do. Here's what we do. We sit down and we talk to Mary Beth and see what her relationship was with Casey Pruitt, Jeremy Pruitt's wife, who ended up being the bag lady at Tennessee, because I have to think that maybe they hung out a little bit when they were in Alabama. Think about those stories. Well, you know, <laughs> it, it's it's funny. Uh, uh, I was just listening to Shane Beamer's uh, uh, press conference uh, on uh, watching it on YouTube, and, and uh, Shane Beamer uh, – the, all of those coaches, there's a there's a subdivision in Watkinsville, Georgia, the suburbs of Athens, known as Rowan Oak Subdivision, and he was talking about that subdivision. He lived across from the street from Jeremy Pruitt, and I swear every coach who's ever come through Georgia lived in Rowan Oak <laughs> Subdivision. So I'm sure I'm sure Mary Beth can tell some stories uh, about all that. <laughs> Yeah, well, let me let me bring this up, and I, and nobody really speaks of it, but I want to get your take on it, Chip, before we let you go. I know you're a very busy guy. Beamer was at Georgia, and he was at Georgia when he was linked to to the Wakey Leak scandal of 2016, I believe it was. He got a twenty five thousand dollar fine from the University of Georgia. Why do we never hear about that? You know, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, at the at the end of the day, uh, you know, things have have evolved, I guess, so much in in the in the game that you know that's yesteryear, and that was not something that I was, you know, pursuing at the time. I mean, it just wasn't on my radar at the time, and and so everything was kind of after the fact on that. He was gone to Oklahoma by the time we heard about most of that stuff, and. Uh, you know, but what was interesting listening to Shane, who has worked at, I think I said, I think I saw in the 17 years uh, before he left, when he went to Oklahoma after he left Georgia, he'd been to seven different programs. But he gives, he credits Kirby Smart for much of what he's doing and what he's implementing at South Carolina because what he saw, what he witnessed firsthand, at the University of Georgia was the program building, the process, right, as Saban likes to put it, of building a program from the beginning, uh, from the ground floor. That was a tough first year they had in 2016. The next year they go to the Rose Bowl. Beamer was a part of all that, and that's the, the very schematic that he's trying to use and build at South Carolina. And, you know, things went pretty well last year. I, you know, how are they going to go this year? I don't know. It's a tough luck. Um, losing a couple of starters off your defense in that game in Arkansas last week. But he's taken uh, a few pages from the Kirby Smart uh, uh, playbook, and, and he's trying to implement those at South Carolina. Um, so he he's a guy who holds Kirby Smart in high regard, uh, regardless of what happened. Chip, I'll let you go, but I, w- I want to point this out to you before I let you go. Think about the DNA of Shane Beamer. You, of course, he has his Hall of Fame dad. He worked under Philip Fulmer. He worked under Jackie Sherrill, it looks like. He was under Steve Spurrier. He was under Kirby. Yeah. He was under Lincoln Riley. I mean, if you could put all that together, what a wonderful gumbo you'd have. Yeah, he. I mean, he really is a gumbo, and he has – I mean, his is a rich – 
you know, you, you, you can't say he's of anybody's tree, maybe short of Frank Beamer, right? He yeah. Is, he's certainly of the Frank Beamer tree, but he is, he has had the good fortune probably because of the relationship with his father of working with some of the greatest coaches in the business. And he's got a little piece of all of them now. I'll take that back. It was Sylvester Croom. So I guess he has a little Bear Bryant by default. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> Chip, buddy, it's been excellent. He's Chip Towers, Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Follow him on Twitter at CTowersAJC. I really appreciate your time today, man. That's really excellent insight. I hope we can get you back on. Okay, sometime. We'll do it. All righty. Thanks. That's Chip Towers of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm looking at Beamer's resume. GA at Georgia Tech, GA at Tennessee, Mississippi State for a few years, comes back, works for Spurrier, goes and works for his dad, and Kirby and Lincoln Riley. I mean, that's those are pretty good guys to learn from. That's not a and, – and then you take little snippets of all of it. Like working for Kirby, you're getting some Nick Saban. Working for Sylvester Croom, you're getting some Bear Bryant. That ain't too bad. Interesting. Good stuff. Chip Towers, AJC. It's the Scott Hamilton Show on Tuesday.